you're listening to the Double A Balls Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Romanella. It is absolutely popping off. Do you know what we call that sometimes? Dick High Fun Balls. And Anthony Rinaldi. I'm going to say something crazy. How about being like a dog? Oh, at the buzzer. Oh, he missed it. Oh, OT. The show starts now. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. This is the Double A Balls podcast. Friday morning dab number 11, and we are all NBA and NBA draft today. Anthony, how you feeling on this Friday morning? Hey, Drew. How are you? I'm doing good, babe. It was a wild NBA draft last night. It's been a wild start to the NBA offseason. We spoke about a little bit at the end of the Wednesday show. Kawhi Leonard obviously wants out of San Antonio, and the LeBron James sweepstakes is going on. But a more important matter took the forefront in the NBA last night, and that was the 2018 NBA draft. And, Anthony, before we, we dive into this Friday morning dab cast, I just want to list off the top 10 picks in this draft because I think it's going to be names that a lot of people out there know. And, of course, your Knicks, I think, made a pick slightly away from what people expect, and I want to get your opinion on that. So, of course, ladies and gentlemen, Double A Balls on Twitter and Instagram if you want to dive into the NBA draft coverage and discussions. All right, so here it is. No surprises at the number one pick. DeAndre Ayton from Arizona gets drafted to the Phoenix Suns, so he stays home. Marvin Bagley the third to Sacramento. Luka Doncic, and I realized I was saying that wrong as I was listening to Mark Kessler say it on ESPN last night, is picked by the Atlanta Hawks but traded to the Dallas Mavericks. The four-pick Memphis is Jaron Jackson Jr. from Michigan State. The five-pick from Dallas is Trey Young. He gets traded to Atlanta for Luka Doncic, so that's a big trade right there early in the draft. Mohamed Bamba, the sixth pick to Orlando. The seventh pick, Wendell Carter Jr. to Chicago. Colin Sexton, the eighth pick to Cleveland. He's a freshman out of Alabama. Your Knickerbockers, Anthony, number nine pick, Kevin Knox, and of course, 10th overall, Philadelphia, Mikhail Bridges, but trades him. So you think Mikhail Bridges is going to stay home, but then he gets traded to the Suns. We'll dive into that a little bit later. But before we move forward on anybody else, I need your opinion on Kevin Knox. I was going to say, Andrew, I missed picks one through eight and then 10 through 30. So I don't know what happened yesterday. <laughs> That's how locked in you are as a Knicks fan. It was funny. They showed the they showed the same family that was that cried and booed Kristaps Porzingis right before the Knicks picked, and then they showed the father giving the double thumbs down for the Kevin Knox pick, which automatically just you know is going to work out well in our favor. Listen, Andrew, I'm not I'm not going to lie. I did not. I mean, I did watch some Kentucky basketball, so I'm familiar with Kevin Knox's game. I think that was a good pick for the Knicks. I don't think we're going to do anything worth our salt this year. Obviously, with Porzingis going to miss most of the season, probably. I heard James Dolan once would prefer him to actually take a whole year off and, and, and heal up that, that ACL injury he's got. But Kevin Knox, he's 18 years old, Andrew. He's not turning 19 until August. Solid starter. He can get to the rim. He shoots well enough from deep. 
here's the kicker. He can defend multiple positions. He's valuable. He's versatile. He's going to be a little bit of a prospect, a little bit of a project, but I feel like he's a great pick for the type of team that, that Coach Fisdale wants to run with the Knicks. And I got to trust my man, Steve Mills and Scott Perry. I think they just – I think they hit it on the head, Andrew. I know a lot of people were chanting for Porter Jr. at the nine slot, and we'll talk about his descent in the draft. But I, I love the Kevin Knox pick, Andrew. I think it's a great start for the Knicks. I'm not too sure about their other pick in the second round, whatever that, whatever that pick was. But I think we're going to like him. Obviously, there's not much in the tank for the New York Knicks. Give me 15 wins and another top three pick next year, and let's move forward in 2019 with free agents. Let's go. I agree. I think a lot of the conversation for the New York Knicks was around Mikael Bridges. And I think, and I even texted it to you before the Knicks picked. I said, here comes the pick of Mikael Bridges. And that's what I wanted for the Knicks. I'm not even a Knicks fan, but that's what I wanted for the Knicks. I felt that was the safe pick plus a guy that could come in and contribute right away. But all reports, all accounts out of New York is that David Fisdale loved Kevin Knox. He saw the versatility. He saw the growth development. The biggest thing David Fisdale talked about was how Kevin Knox has such a high ceiling. And he's so young. You mentioned that before. I think those things and the fact that Fisdale likes to play players that are versatile. He sees Kevin Knox because Knox can shoot. He's coming into the NBA and he has the ability to shoot. And people forget that Kentucky roster is so stacked. You don't get the true offensive potential of a guy like a Kevin Knox or anybody else that gets drafted by Kentucky. I mean, Shea uh, Gilgis Alexander got drafted two picks after him. He's the, the point guard for Kentucky, and he was considered the third best player out of all Kentucky players on that roster to start the year, and he was the 11 pick. So you can see how much talent's on that roster. So I think you you have a lot to learn, and a lot is going to happen for Kevin Knox, and apparently David Fisdale was the primary reason why Kevin Knox has ended up in New York. Now, you mentioned Michael Porter Jr., when you see him still on the board, you see him sliding, you see the Knicks come up at number nine. Did you want Michael Porter Jr.'s name to be called? No, I, I was I was in Camp Knox. You know, you read all these um, mock drafts, all these ESPN gurus and what have you. And honestly, it was funny because as we're watching, I, I, I lied earlier, Andrew. I did watch a draft. I was having a lovely dinner with the wife. And literally before the teams would pick, I would start calling out names. I literally hit like four out of five or something like that. Michelle's like, is this on delay? I said, no. I said, but you do enough research, you see enough mock drafts. And basically the last mock draft I read had literally everybody, minus the Luka Doncic, Trey Young trade, which I didn't see coming. They pretty much had almost everybody slotted in, in their slot. So once I knew Kevin Knox was going to be a Nick, I did a little research on him. And like you said, with Fisdale's little uh, article on him and how much he loves the, his ability and his – his, his, his versatility. Listen, the Knicks are going to be, uh, they're going to struggle. I, I did not want another injury ridden player. I know uh, Carter, I mean, uh, Porter Jr. is young. He's uh, 18 and 19 as well. So obviously, he's, I mean, he had back surgery. He only played 53 minutes last year. So I think a lot of teams were scared by his medical report. I got to trust the doctors on this one. You know, we had KP go down. I, I don't need another big man who's, who's injury prone. So I think the safe pick was Kevin Knox. I think it's a great pick. I think I think Denver got 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 lucky, and and once four, once he fell to fourteen, it was almost a no brainer. Yeah, I agree with that one hundred percent. And that, that there's came a, in real quick, Andrew. If you noticed, yeah, <laughs> and I and I on the board. 
I read a lot about well, and the and the Clippers had the twelve and the thirteen pick right before him. I went into that the minute the Clippers were on the clock at twelve. I said to myself, Michael Porter Jr. is going to one to one of these two picks to the Clippers because that's like a bonus of all bonuses. First off, you trade away Blake Griffin to get the twelve pick in the draft. That's the first thing. Now. The, the second thing now becomes you have the option to get a guy you want because it doesn't matter which, which guy you pick at 12 or 13. And then a guy that should be the number one overall pick in the draft if healthy. I thought that was a no-brainer. But then you see the Clippers not take him. And then, like you said, five seconds, legitimately five seconds into their clock, the Denver Nuggets, I think, put their, put their pick in. Why it's interesting for Denver is if you, is if you read a little bit about the, the, the Nuggets' thought process behind that pick. Historically, Anthony, the 14th overall pick in the NBA draft pans out to be a very bad NBA basketball player. Historically, I think the last like five the 14th overall picks in the NBA draft haven't even averaged double digits in the NBA. So the way that is positioned, if you're Denver, you're saying to yourself, we're in such a bad draft spot historically anyways, in terms of what talent we can get out of this draft. Now, part of that falls on you because I think that every year San Antonio finds a way to make a great draft pick and they're always drafting 15 or higher, but that's another conversation. But I think that was the reasoning or part of the reasoning why Denver goes after Michael Porter and his injury-prone abilities there. And right now, Denver's actually moving forward as a franchise. You saw them play very, very well last year. That's why they're in the 14 slot. They were moving up in terms of how they are as a basketball team. This is the type of dude that could come in and change a franchise if he has the ability to stay healthy. Great risk there at that pick for Denver. Right. He's going to... He should come in and fill in that Wilson Chandler role, that kind of small fo- attacking small forward. I believe he's a small forward. I didn't know what size he is. They have him as a power forward. Yes, power forward. Six ten. I feel like size in this league doesn't matter because everybody shoots the ball now. But yeah, I mean, you you polish him off with Nikola Jokic and Gary Harris. I mean, they got a, that's a pretty good shooting team right there. The Nuggets were sixth in the NBA last year in offense. So Michael Porter Jr comes in with zero pressure on him because from the offensive side of the ball, the Denver Nuggets don't necessarily need that much help, at least early. So he has the opportunity to A, make sure he's healthy because he's not going to be rushed into a situation where you really need him in your lineup right away. And B, he now has the opportunity to really transition into the NBA game in a slow and steady pace for his development as a basketball player. What, Andrew, tell me, Tell me which pick, before I get to that, do you think the number eight pick, Mr. Colin Sexton, out of the University of Alabama, that basketball powerhouse, do you think that moves the needle for your LeBron James? I don't think it moves the needle a lot. I think the needle moves a little bit, and the reason I feel that way is because Colin Sexton was coached by an NBA coach and a guy that has had success at the NBA level in Avery Bradley, or excuse me, Avery, Avery Johnson. Johnson. You, you always say Avery Bradley. I always say Avery Bradley. Avery Johnson. Avery Johnson. And I, I think there's a there's a lot to be said for that. He was a 2017 FIBA U17 World Championship participant, and in that tournament, averaged 19.2 points per game against some of the best teams in the country. And of course, you saw what he did at Alabama. He's not the best passing point guard coming out of college, 
although that's something that can be developed. And if you're a LeBron James, that makes that situation a little bit easier because will he have more ball handling duties? Yes, because LeBron doesn't want to handle the ball as much. But to have a LeBron James, you're probably become a better passer just because you have LeBron James there. But really, the other part of that is he can get to the lane. He can get to the bucket. He is explosive in transition. And that's something that when Kyrie Irving left the Cleveland Cavaliers, you saw as a loss on their offense. And I think that is the standout for Colin Sexton going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Because now think about Anthony. One, the ability for Kevin Love to get shots if he continues to develop as a passer and as a floor general and with his vision on the floor. That continues to improve. And he continues to be the explosive guy he can be. Think about the shots he creates and think about the pressure that takes off of LeBron James. But it doesn't move the needle enough to keep LeBron. Something else still needs to happen in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, it's a a step in the right direction for Cleveland uh, post-LeBron, I'll say. Because, I I mean, everyone said, you know, is he going to leave again? Is he going to stay? Frankly, I mean, for his – I don't think him ring chasing is going to change his legacy. I just think it's a, more of a mental thing. Like, I, I want to get four to five to six rings, so I'm going to go X, Y, and Z. If he stays in Cleveland, you know, you like to pick. I heard a lot of comps to your boy, Russell Westbrook. He's a score-first point guard. His confidence can border on kind of almost arrogance, which isn't a terrible thing to have. He's a young cat. I mean, I feel like everybody was a freshman in this draft. Eight out of the first ten draft picks in the draft were freshmen. And think about this. Luka Doncic is a 19-year-old dude. He's just coming from Europe. And Mikhail Bridges, as old as he is, is only 21. Yeah, so, I mean, listen, the NBA, the NBA is, a, is, is a young man's game. You can see that by just the, the talent that's out there. But I don't, I don't know if Colin Sexton is going to keep LeBron. There's not many moves Cleveland can make. I'm pretty sure that you heard that they're, they're pretty high on keeping Kevin Love, regardless of what happens with LeBron. Which is huge. I, 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 think, I think if you're Cleveland and you have a Colin Sexton, a Kevin Love, and you have the thought process of continuing to get younger and understanding that the next two years are probably not going to be what the last four have been, I think you're in a good spot moving forward if you're Cleveland and LeBron James doesn't come back. I mean, listen, if, if, if LeBron James doesn't come back, they're a lottery team. Of course. If LeBron James comes back, I don't think they're going to win another championship. I don't think they'll win a championship with the, with the roster, the way it's constructed. I don't think you're getting past Golden State or anybody in the West for that matter. So in, in my eyes, I don't think there was anything Cleveland could have done. I think LeBron's gone. I just think he wants to play a better brand of basketball at, at, at his younger, at his, young, at his older age. I don't, like I said, he doesn't, he doesn't want to be ball dominant anymore. He just wants to kind of feed off somebody just, and just get his points and just be, just be the LeBron James you know, carry a team, but don't carry a team, if that makes any sense. Because any team he goes to will be automatic favorite to go to the, the Western Conference or Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but interesting, I read something a little earlier uh, this morning that it looks like the Spurs will not trade Kawhi Leonard, regardless of the fact that he wants out in a year. Well, they're going to stick it to him and be like, hey, listen, you're assigned to us. We're not trading you for nothing. You're going to – you're going to either make it work for this year or you're going to sit on the bench, but we ain't trading you. I kind of like that stance. I love that stance, and it's the exact same stance they made on LaMarcus Aldridge last year, who, if you remember correctly, at the end of last season was complaining about the way the Spurs were using him 
Greg Popovich and Aldridge sat down, tried to figure out what he was looking for out of this experience. And then you saw the year that LaMarcus Aldridge had in 2017, 2018. I think they're going to use the exact same model. Popovich went out and spoke with Kawhi in San Diego at his home a few days ago. Uh, there have not been a lot of reports swinging one way or the other. It, you know, it still kind of says that Kawhi's camp wants to be traded to LA. And I think at the end in, in 365 days, we're, we're going to be talking about Kawhi Leonard in LA, but I love it too. You, you ha- it shouldn't be that the guy can just come out and say, I don't want to play San Antonio anymore. I want to play in LA. So they trade him. It's one of the best franchises over the last 25 years in the NBA. It is one of the best franchise in terms of the way it's run and the way they do business. And for Greg Popovich to either a trust himself and his staff and his ability is beautiful to see because I would have been, I don't know how you feel Ant, but I would have been pissed if in a week we just found out Kawhi Leonard got traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. I would have been pissed because I just think that's ridiculous. That's a, that's a cop out. That's easy. No Kawhi. This is a two way street. My man, do you, do you think we mishandled your situation? Maybe. Do we think you handled yourself the appropriate way? No. And that's the point. It's not a one-way street. It's not only the San Antonio Spurs. So for everything we've done for you in your career, you owe it to our franchise to at least give us this year to try and repair this relationship. And the NBA players obviously run the league. We know that. It's the one sport where I feel like the players have all the power. But in this case, you see the Spurs putting that, you know, that line in the sand saying, all right, listen, you know, we know you're going to L.A., so most teams aren't going to give us the package we want if we ship you out, you know, for for the for a one year rental because everybody knows you're going to sign with LA. I think that was the the one one of the missteps for the Kawhi camp was their adamancy that the only place they want to play is 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 LA. That kind of handcuffs you know the Spurs because sure you can get rid of you could probably get a good package of young talent from the Spur, uh, from the Lakers, but I, I don't think you want to trade your best asset to a team in the West anyway. And plus, why do you want to make L.A. better? So I like that fact that R.C. Buford and, and Popovich are, are putting their foot in the sand and saying, listen, you're, you, signed a, you signed a contract. It's a five-year, whatever it was. This is your last year of the deal. You're going to play for us whether you like it or not. And you know what? When you're free agency, go have fun in, in, in L.A. But we're, we have to move on. And they picked up, like you said, Lonnie Walker, the shooter from Miami. That'll be a nice complimentary piece to LaMarcus Aldridge. Steal the draft. I think, though, I think the problem for the, for the Spurs is they got old quick. You saw that with Manu, Tony Parker, even Greg Popovich is, is long in the tooth. You know, he just lost his wife. I, just, I don't know what kind of, what kind of mentality he's going to have going forward. Obviously, you think he may have a little more time now to really focus on basketball, but he also may think life's kind of short and be like, I've been doing this for so long that now I just want to kind of hang out with the grandkids, do my own thing. I think Pop is, is, a, is a lifer. He's one of those coaches that, you know, he just loves the game of basketball. He'd be bored doing other things. So I think you have him for a little while longer. Like you said, LaMarcus Aldridge shined when Kawhi Leonard went down. You add Lonnie Walker. You make a few moves in the offseason because, listen, the Spurs are a great franchise. Teams do want to play there. And, hey, there's no sales tax in Texas. So that's a great landing spot for any free agent as well. That's a, that's a huge add. And, and really, I truly believe Lonnie Walker, the fourth, could, could be the steal in this draft. And what I love, and, and the Spurs historically are a great drafting team. I said it before, and the, the proof is in the pudding. You don't have to look any farther than the success they've had over the last 20, 25 years. And Lonnie Walker is essentially Kawhi Leonard's backup now. 
And that's the other thing I love about this draft pick is they don't have a lot of wing depth. They, they have expiring contracts at the wing position. Like you said before, they've gotten older. So A, they needed youth and depth. But B, they're going to need a guy because you just said it. And like most likely, and you're going to play this year. You're going to finish out the contract you signed and then go have fun in L.A. But for that year, they're going to get everything out of Kawhi Leonard. And that includes teaching Lonnie Walker. Now, in that same breath, Luka Doncic was traded to the Dallas Mavericks from the Atlanta Hawks, but still drafted number three. A whole other conversation is the fact that I don't think Trey Young is going to be good. But the second part of that is much like the Lonnie Walker behind Kawhi Leonard situation, for me, the Dallas Mavericks getting Doncic and having him learn, if only for a year, from another European player in Dirk Nowitzki, who is possibly one of the best players in NBA history. At least he's a top 10 scorer in NBA history. He's a top 10, 15 player in NBA history. He's an NBA champion. I think that is a fantastic move. I think he, he's the one who kind of broke the mold, right? He came yes, to the sir. league. His shot actually wasn't the best coming into the league. And yeah, I, I love that pickup for, for Dallas. I, unfortunately, I don't think Dallas has a roster around Doncic to really, I mean, he'll, he'll be fine, but I don't, I mean, the coming years, your boy Mark Cuban has a lot of work to do. They're, Dennis they're, Smith Jr., though. Listen, That's a good start with those two. Should have been the Nick. Uh, you're right. I, I completely forgot Dennis Smith Jr. was on the, on the Mavericks. That's a bad there because they were tanking all year long. So I couldn't. Uh, but I mean, think about find many highlights on them. We talk about the magic number in basketball is three. You know, you really need three solid to very good, in some cases, elite players, right, to be able to compete in today's NBA. Building through the draft means that those three guys, much like you saw 76ers, it's sometimes it might take three, four years. Well, I think Dallas is possibly a draft, maybe two away from being a contender again in the Western Conference. And the reason why I think it might be two away is because they're in the Western Conference. I think if they're in the Eastern Conference, Anthony, they might have the opportunity to compete this year. But since they're in the Western Conference, it's going to be probably another draft or two. But those two together... That is a great place for the Dallas Mavericks to be. I have the feeling a lot of people will be doing the tanking method of the Philadelphia Sixers, where you're just going to see the Knicks, the Mavericks, who are some of the other bum teams, the Knicks, the Mavericks, the Hawks, the Magic, the Grizzlies. Those four or five teams are going to be in the, the, the second round Kings. They will have a top five pick again next year, all five of those teams. They're all going to be lottery picks. They're going to be terrible. They have no, there's no real semblance of a team around them. And you're just going to see lots of high draft picks. And hopefully the teams can turn it just like the Philadelphia 76ers did. And here's my thing. And I, and I love that you just said that. Part of my feeling on when players are going to be successful in the NBA draft is what team they get drafted to. And that's why I was so locked in on the fact that Doncic was traded to Dallas because now I'm saying to myself there's a legitimate chance for this guy who is arguably the most ready NBA player he's 19 years old but he's been playing against professional men in Europe and and an MVP and he's been the best player in the league for three years and now he's not just going to go waste away in Atlanta with zero talent and nothing that he can really learn from and really no prior history of real success He's now in Dallas with, again, another uh, successful European player. That's a great transition right there. Another young, great, talented player in Dennis Smith Jr. and an organization that has been to the pinnacle before and knows how to get back. When I look at a DeAndre Aiden in Phoenix, yeah, it's all baby shit. Baby shit. 
and that and that kind of that that looks to be maybe like a a DeAndre Ayton and a Devin Booker's like a mini Shaq and Kobe situation they're setting up there in Phoenix. But Sacramento, Marvin Bagley III is a great player. Sacramento is historically just terrible. The Hawks, terrible. Memphis, terrible. Mohamed Bamba to the Orlando Magic. Are we just going to see him traded in five years like Dwight Howard was, like Shaq was, like Penny Hart? We've seen these teams so many times, you know, get these great players and, oh, well, that's great. But then those players don't end up having the greatest careers or start to their careers because these teams aren't developing them appropriately. And I think that's why in the NBA, Anthony, you don't really talk about more than five or six players at the end of the day because the development aspect of these players and where they're being drafted because teams are tanking or they're just so bad or there's no talent and none of, and these kids are so young coming to the NBA, they're getting thrown into the fire possibly in different situations that they shouldn't or when they shouldn't. And it's hurting and stunting their development. Yeah. There's no real like sit and kind of wait a, a, a program for the NBA. Like in football, you, you saw Aaron Rodgers get drafted. He fell all the way to like 28th, whatever pick it was. And he sat behind one of the greatest quarterbacks in Brett Favre for how many years, just waiting for his chance. Well, all these top ten picks, I mean, they're going to be they're going to get thrown right to the starting lineup. In these most cases, I don't see one guy not going to start next year in the top ten. I agree. I think that guy like Trey Young is going to be a bust because he's going to be in Atlanta trying to be one of the main offensive pieces when he shouldn't be. He should be working on molding his complete game. All right, you rattle off to me your bust, your I guess sleeper and the guy you think is going to have the best career. I'll put you a little pressure on you. You kind of mentioned who you like already, who your bust is. Who do you think is going to have the best professional career when it's all said and done? I think when it's all said and done, we're going to be talking about Mohammed Bamba. Oh, you're Jeremy. Are, are, you are you in my room right now? What's up? I really, I really, no, I wish so. I really believe that. And I know I just made the point about the Orlando magic, but, we still saw a great career out of Shaq, and we've still seen a pretty pretty great, could have been way more great if he had a better mind career for Dwight Howard. So there is a little bit of history in Orlando of developing big men. This is a type, different type of big man, but Mohamed Bama to me is the most impressive, going to be the best guy in the draft. The most likely, uh, the least likely, excuse me, in my mind to succeed or, or to be a great NBA player uh, is, is going to be Trey Young. I said it before. I just don't think his game translates. I don't think he's a good enough point guard. I don't think he shoots with a good enough percentage to translate to the NBA. And I don't think he's a good enough defensive player yet to translate to the NBA. Time will tell. But he has the ability to be Steph Curry. But he also has the ability to be one of the biggest busts in NBA history, in my opinion. Lastly, the steal of the draft. I think I mentioned this before as well. We talked about him a little bit. That's Lonnie Walker the fourth, partly because he got drafted by the San Antonio Spurs. They're unbelievable draft department. They're a great development franchise. And secondly, just because Lonnie Walker is an athletic dude that I think is going to learn from great players, again, develop the appropriate way, and we're going to be hearing about him, much like we heard about the development of Kawhi Leonard. I agree with all those, Andrew. I do like Trey Young, though. I thought he might have been a Nick. There's a lot of talk about his flat, his flair for – you know, dude's got parking lot range, and obviously that's that's something you can't teach. He's a little bit of a knucklehead when it comes to some of his um, his, his defensive breakdowns. But for the most part, everything you read about Trey Young is he's a good kid. Uh, obviously, comparing him to Steph Curry is a little much. Is a little much. Obviously, to, again, another 19 year old. He's only a freshman. He had one year at, at Oklahoma. You, you saw what he did there when he was on. You know, it's he's something fun to watch. But I think the team rattled off like six or seven losses in a row, and he was nowhere to be found. So obviously you don't want to see that. 
from your fifth pick overall. And Atlanta, I don't even know who's on the Atlanta roster right now who could even. Dennis Schroeder is currently their point guard. So listen yeah. to that name for a team that might be a contender looking for a second point guard on their roster for next season. I'll agree with you. I think he's going to be so far the bust of the draft. I think your buddy Luka Doncic, when it's all said and done, will be the top, the top score, or the top, the top name of this draft class in 2018. You'll see him his rise to fame. And and what was the last question I asked you about? Who you think was the steal of the draft? Yes, sir. I do like that Lonnie Walker. Uh, I'm gonna go a little crazy here. We're gonna add. We're gonna add somebody to your buddy to your Greek freak, and the pick right before Lonnie Walker, the stud of the Villanova championship run, Dante DiVincenzo. All right. The Delaware Michael Jordan. Come get some. I like that pick for the Bucks. Dude can get to the rim. He can shoot. He can score. He plays defense. He's a team first guy. He's gonna fit in great with the Greek freak, and I think that's gonna be just years down the road. You're gonna be like, wow. Dante DiVincenzo, that guy's going to be a stud. You watch it. It's a pleasure always on this Friday morning show. Anthony Rinaldi, I look forward to talking to you on Wednesday. Hey, Drew, tell your friends, tell your friends, subscribe, download. I even heard we even added a Google podcast to this monster, Andrew. train keeps rolling down the tracks, folks. Get on board. We want to hear from you. I'm out of here. I'm late for work. I got to go. DAABpodcast.com, as Anthony mentioned, now on Google Podcasts. Very exciting. Apple Podcasts, of course, Podbean and Anchor Power on Performance.com for your gear. I am Andrew Romanella. My partner's Anthony Rinaldi. This is the Double A Balls Podcast. Get us on Twitter. Get us on Instagram. This is the Friday Morning Dab, episode 11, and we are out. This has been the Double A Balls Podcast, powered by Power Arm Performance, your leader in baseball and softball training apparel. Visit PowerArmPerformance.com to get your gear and begin training the Power Arm way today. I try to run, but see, I'm not that fast. I think first, but surely finish last. Last. Cause day and night, the lonely stoner seems to free his mind at night. He's all alone through the day and night. The lonely loner seems to.